James chapter 1. I don't think anybody could argue with the fact tonight with the statement, life is hard. Life is uh, sometimes difficult. I like, I always get a chuckle when I think of the statement that uh, the Duke John Wayne said, life is hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. Uh, is as true as that is. Life is hard regardless. Because we live in a fallen world. Nothing works the way it's supposed to work. Sin has stained every part of the physical universe. And sin has deeply affected the human bloodstream. Things break. Our bodies wear out. We grow old and die. Uh, people kill each other. Marriages break up. Children get hooked on drugs or alcohol. Babies are born with defects. And we go on down the list. Uh, our friends disappoint us. We disappoint our friends. And then one day we get in to find out that the boss decides we aren't the right fit. And on and on we could go with the problems that we have uh, in our life today. The, the uh, statement uh, somebody made, into every life some rain must fall. I know this is true because of this girl and her umbrella. It's on the picture of every salt container you've probably ever bought. Uh, even hers uh, advertising salt uh, shows us that into every life some rain will fall. The sixth law of spiritual growth is a reality that most Christians would probably rather not talk about. Uh, there's a notion that the Christian life is easy. Well, anybody who's lived in it for any amount of time knows the Christian life is not easy. Uh, sometimes it can be difficult. Whoever said that it was hasn't tried to live it for any length of time. Now, Jesus did say that his yoke was easy and his burden was light. But that was said in comparison to the Pharisees. Anyway, who wants a yoke? I don't care if it's easy or not. I mean, anybody want to sign up to carry a yoke around? But yet, uh, that's often what we are called to do. He also talked about taking up our cross daily, denying ourselves and following him. There's nothing easy about that at all. In fact, that's sometimes very difficult. Well, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. James chapter 1, verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, the Well, let's have a word of prayer as we start here tonight, the sixth law. I'll give it to you in a minute. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless now. Give us something we can hang on to and use and serving you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Having said about the difficulty of life, the Christian life is the best life there is. I don't think there's any question in that. If you think it's hard to serve our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, try serving the devil as your master, and then you'll find a really, really hard life. And so, at Adrian Quinn, I like this statement he made, life is hard for everyone. That's why there's such a nice reward at the end of it. Amen. As a Christian, we know that uh, to know Christ, to know God, is to have eternal life. Anything that we give up in this world will be nothing compared to what we gain uh, in not only in this life, but in the life to come. In Mark 10, 29-30, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel's, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands 
with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. The paradox that's given throughout scripture is that if you follow Christ, you have to lose your life in order to gain it. Uh, it has a verse that says exactly that. You have to go to the cross every day so that you can discover the power of resurrection. You have to die to find abundant life. You have to reckon yourself dead to sin in order to experience a full life in Christ. None of this is easy to do. Uh, in fact, it's difficult. These things are hard for us to deny self, take, take up our cross and follow him. If you think it's easy, it's only because you haven't either lived it or taken the Bible seriously. Romans chapter 7 speaks of a war going on in the inner life of the believer. Romans 8.13 commands us to mortify the deeds of the body, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Galatians 5.17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another uh, that, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The flesh and the spirit are constantly at war with each other. I think of the three enemies that we as Christians face uh, today we face the world, we face the flesh, and we face the devil. The world is out there. It's all around us. The flesh is inside and loves to answer the call of the world. Amen? The devil is everywhere like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible tells us in Acts 14.22 that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we settle the fact this life is not easy street. Uh, we get saved, some people anyway, they get saved. I kind of thought this, that once I was saved, I was getting on a cruise ship and not thinking I was actually getting on a battleship. Amen? It's not easy to live the Christian life. The sixth law reminds us that difficulties are based, are placed in our path for our spiritual benefit. And here it is, the sixth law, there is no growth without struggle. There is no growth without struggle. We're talking tonight about spiritual growth. We hopefully all desire spiritual growth, but we will not see spiritual growth without some struggles. This law teaches us that spiritual growth is possible. It is necessary, but it is never instant and it is never easy. There are no shortcuts on the road to spiritual growth. Let me give you four principles here. Uh, number one, because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen to all of us. Can we testify to that? How many have had bad things happen to them? Every one of us, whether it be sickness, whether it be uh, whatever it might be, something bad will happen to us. If it hasn't yet, uh, buckle up, it'll, it'll be coming sooner or later. We have no control over many of the things that happen to those uh, to us or those around us, to many things. Now, again, I'm not talking specifically about, you know, we make knuckle-headed decisions and we base the consequences of it. I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm talking about things that happen to us outside of our control. Number three, we do have complete control on how we respond. Sometimes things happen to us that we cannot control, but we can always control our response. Our response to our trials largely determines our spiritual growth or the lack thereof. In other words, something bad comes into your life, whether it be sickness, whether it be a tragedy of any type. How you respond will determine whether you grow spiritually or you don't grow spiritually. It's all in our response. 
Another way that we could say or give the sixth law, uh, struggle in the Christian life is inevitable and ultimately beneficial. I don't like the inevitable part, but I do like the beneficial part. But suffering, who wants to suffer? And yet uh, we encounter grace in those trials. We encounter growth. And that would not happen if the trials would not have happened in the first place. We'll see growth in our spiritual life through difficult times that we would not see had those difficult times not come. I could sit here, we could probably be here all night as each of us take turns giving testimony to this very fact. Some of the greatest heartaches and toughest times in my life have been the times of the most growth in my life. It takes a mature Christian to understand this principle. Now, ironically enough, it is this principle that helps us to mature and to grow. Now, in James chapter 1, in the verses that we read, we find some practical guidelines for hard times, for trials. Number one, let's look at the command. Verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. James begins by reminding us, sooner or later, we're going to face trials of various sorts. It's interesting that he uses the word fall. Uh, last week, I was walking from my car, the week before last, I should say, I was walking from my car into church, and like usual, my hands are full. I got a bag in one hand, who knows what, I got different things in my hand. So uh, as I'm walking up, I uh, came up the side step here, uh, the side sidewalk, and my feet um, went that way, and my body went that way. That ever happened to you? I mean, it was one of those, it was an epic fall. It was not just a sort of a stumble and come. I mean, it was a whoosh, boom, down on my uh, shoulder and back. And, uh, and you know, I, I look around, make sure nobody's seen it. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I was so muscular that uh, it did not hurt me permanently. But uh, it's one of those things where I was cruising along just fine, and all of a sudden, I was not anymore. I found myself on the ground hoping that nobody had seen me because most of my friends would laugh if they saw that happen. But life is like that for us. We're just going along. Everything's going fine. We don't expect anything different. And all of a sudden, it's not anymore. We find ourselves laying on the ground. We find ourselves sucker punched in some manner by life. No matter who we are, no matter where we live, trouble is just a fall away. That's what it says here. When you fall into divers temptations, a doctor may say, I'm sorry, but you're sick. A, or you might be fired without warning, or somebody you trusted may start spreading lies about you, or, uh, or a whole laundry list of things that could happen. The list is endless. That's why it uses the word diverse. The word diverse in this verse means of various colors. Can we identify with that? Temptations, trials of various colors, they come into our life. Now, how then should we respond to these things that come into our life? Then when, the, when we fall, when we find ourselves in the middle of a very difficult situation, a, a temptation, a trial, James offers his advice. In fact, it's a command. Count it all joy. <laughs> that sounds pretty irrational, doesn't it? Count it all joy. That's crazy talk. Count it all joy. Something bad happens to us and we're supposed to count it all joy. Do you have any idea what I've just been through? It says, count it all joy. Sounds like an impossibility. So I did what I like to do when I come to these things. If I don't like something or the way it comes across, I think, well, maybe 
uh, I can go to the original language and I can get a little bit deeper understanding. So I looked it up. The word for joy is kara. That's the original Greek word for joy. And it means, are you ready for this? It means joy. So it does, it just means exactly what it's telling us to do. Count it all joy. So I got trouble that falls into my, I fall down flat in a vat of trouble and trial in my life and I'm supposed to count it all joy. That's what James tells us here. J.B. Phillips says, when of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. I said it that way because disgustingly, his statement ends with an exclamation point. doesn't say, welcome them as friends. Welcome them as friends. Trials and troubles come in your life. Don't resent them. Welcome them. You ever done that? Mr. Trouble shows up at your door. He doesn't knock. He just barges on in, plops down on the couch, and you say, welcome. Thank you for coming to my life. Of course we don't. It's not a natural thing for us to do that. Uh, like, we should be excited about it. And I'll tell you why it's not a natural thing. Because it's a... Not a natural response, it's a supernatural response. Let's be honest, counting it all joy when trouble comes is not a natural response. Uh, anger is, getting even is, uh, wanting, to, uh, wanting to make somebody pay for it. it. It is not natural to find joy in hardship, but that's the whole point. James is telling us, I know it's not natural, that's why you have to count it joy. That's why you have to make a decision that you're going to receive it with joy. It's only possible through the Holy Spirit in our life. It's only possible when we can that we can respond this way when we see it from God's point of view. Counting it all joy is a conscious choice that we make when hard times come, and it has to be. Because it's certainly not going to fall on our lap. It's not how we're going to feel naturally. It's probably a choice we're going to have to make again and again in our life. Now, this is only possible from these perspectives that this is sent from the Lord. We have to understand that. And, number two, this is necessary for my spiritual growth. The first statement, this is from the Lord, reflects God's sovereignty. Everything that happens to us is either caused by God, like the storm for the apostles, or allowed by God, like all of Job's troubles. It wasn't from God, but it was allowed by God. If I truly believe that, then that can lead me, and only that, can lead me to statement number two when it says that this is necessary for my spiritual growth. Look for ways to grow spiritually within it. Now here's a vital part of all this. Don't trust your feelings. <laughs> when we get into trouble and into trials and into hard, hard places in our life, we need not trust our feelings. Friends turn against us. Life tumbles in around you. Your feelings won't be an accurate guide. You won't feel joyful or grateful or full of trust normally. You're going to be consumed with negative emotions. So don't act on those feelings. Respond in the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. The result is that these great trials give me great hope that God wants to benefit me. That's how we have to see it. If God brings something into my life that I have no control over... He wants it to benefit me. He has something for me to learn in it. Seeing things this way does not cancel your trials, sad to say. It does, however, change your assessment of those trials, and it helps you to learn and grow from them. So change your pity parties into count-it-all-joy parties, because that's what the Scripture tells us to do. Not an easy thing to do, but we do need that change of attitude. Joy, he says. 
count it all joy. One of the problems when we read this, it makes so little sense to us, is because we misunderstand the word joy, by biblically the word joy. In our day, the word joy is synonymous for happy. And we look at the word joy as the absence of all pain and trouble. Then I can be joyful. There's nothing bad in my life or nothing bad in my day. Then I can have joy. But that's not what the Bible means. The Bible definition of joy is this. Joy is the deep satisfaction that comes from knowing that God is in control even when my circumstances seem to be out of control. The key to joy is knowing that God's got it in hand. The key to joy is that God's got a purpose behind it. If you know that, then you can have that underlying joy even while you weep at what's happening. Uh, we can have a, a baseline of joy in our Christian life. Now, let's apply it then. How can we go on when tragedy strikes and we just feel like giving up? Here are five suggestions. Number one, remind yourself of the promises of God. Spend time in the Word of God. Write down verses that relay promises connected to your specific problem. Remind yourself of the Bible verses about God's presence, God's comfort, God's divine care, God's purpose to mold you into the likeness of His Son. By the way, in dark times, those promises are priceless. We sing the song, Standing on the Promises That Cannot Fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. There's times that that's all we have is the promises of God. We just stand on them. Determine that you will not let the word of God, uh, that you will, I'm sorry, that you will let the word of God determine your spirit. You won't let your feelings determine your spirit. Because there is no growth without struggle. No growth. We all want to grow. It's not going to happen without struggle. Number two, give thanks for what you can give thanks for. Have you ever been in times when Thanksgiving seems impossible? Give thanks and everything give thanks. You think, what, am I, what have I got to be thankful for? Trouble is looming over me. Sometimes it may seem like we have nothing to be thankful for, but even if you can't give thanks for 99% of what's in your life, give thanks for that 1%. It's always something. It's always somebody who's got it worse than you. Luke 10, 20, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's something you can always rejoice about. Amen. Does not matter how bad the situation. If you're a child of God, your name's written in heaven. That's something we can rejoice about. Jesus is telling us there, rather than thanking God for your circumstances that can change, be thankful to God for something that can't change. That is, your name is written in heaven. Number three, refuse to give in to bitterness and to despair. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you're so overwhelmed, you feel that there's no choice but to become bitter and angry? That you have no choice but to give up uh, on your faith in God? I love the words of Job in Job chapter 1, verse 21. He said, naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Again, this is a choice, 100%. You have to make yourself, uh, you, you have to choose that you're going to, that's why it says count yourself, count it all joy. You have to make a decision that you're going to have that attitude and not let yourself get bitter. Why? Because there's no growth without struggle. You will not grow without struggle. Number four, choose to believe in God. Believe in God, believe in his goodness, believe in his love. 
Faith is a choice made by the heart. If you want to believe, you will believe. You remember what the lesson number or, or law number four was? What you seek, you will find. And so if you determine to believe, you will believe. If you seek to have faith, you will have faith. Number five, make up your mind to go on with life. That's what David did after the death of his son with Bathsheba. Second uh, Samuel 12, 20, And then David rose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worship. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. And if you read on, you find the question, what are you doing, David? Your son just died, and he's now you're cleaning yourself up. Now you're getting yourself together. My son's in heaven. I'm going to see him again one day. Until then, i got to live life. i got to move on. That's what we have to do. Grief uh, is proper. It's good, and it's healing. But after grief has done its work of healing and helping, we must move on in our service for the Lord. The past is gone. We can't get it back. There are some times... Uh, that we try desperately to do so. There's nothing we can do to get it. You can't live in yesterday. You can't change yesterday. You have to move forward. All you can do is to be filled with regret that will inevitably turn into bitterness if you don't look forward and move forward. So choose uh, to make uh, to go on with life. There's three principles of growth that will help us here. Just uh, think of these and apply them. I can't go back. I can't stay here. I must go forward. That's your three principles of growth right there. That's the only way we're going to grow. We can't go back. We can't stay here. That's what, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, the the mess, the first message on forward, uh, that when our theme last year was going forward, and, and God told Moses, why stand you here praying? Go forward. And the idea was they were standing in between, uh, the Red Sea was in front of them, the mountains were to the side, the Egyptians were behind them, they couldn't go back. There were the Egyptians there. They couldn't stay there. They were going to kill. So going to get killed. So what did God say? Go forward. There's a big sea here. Go forward. And he just he split it for him because that's what God does. He splits. It. He 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 makes the way when he tells us to go forward. Great great principle of growth. This is not always easy, but there's no growth without struggle. So the command. We're moving quickly here. Look at the reason. Verse three. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Every word of this verse is crucial. Knowing this, that's gnosko. That is not head knowledge, that is heart knowledge. The, word, the Bible actually in Greek has three different words for knowledge, to know. And this is heart knowledge gained by experience. This isn't book learning, this is experience. Experience, you know, is that teacher that kills off all its students eventually. Uh, that uh, best teacher of our in our life. But this lesson comes from daily life. God wants to put our faith to the test now it's interesting here the word trying knowing this that the trying of your faith the word trying is only used one other time in the new testament the original word and it's found in first peter 1 7 referring to the process of gold being purified to separate the gold from the dross it's placed in a furnace it's heated to an extreme heat until it's melted and then the dross rises to the surface and they skim that away leaving only pure gold. This is a picture of what God does to us in our fiery trials. Sometimes he has to apply that heat in our life to get rid of the dross in our life and to make us a better Christian. The result is a pure Christ-like character. Why does God allow his children to go through trials and suffering? Well, number one, God wants to purge us of sin and iniquity, wants to purify us. 
Secondly, God uses suffering to test our faith. Will you serve God when things aren't going your way? We talked about that this morning a little bit. Everybody was willing to follow Jesus when he was feeding and healing them. But when he said, hey, put some, put some uh, parameters on following him, they started to leave. Will you hold on when you feel like giving up? Sometimes God puts those tests in our life. Uh, thirdly, God uses the times of difficulty to, difficulty to humble us. When things are going well, we can uh, tend to get puffed up. We can say, hey, look at all I've accomplished. And then, bam, we fall down on the ice. <laughs> we find ourselves laying there. The, let the trials come and we are on our knees crying out to God when we realize where our help really comes from. And then God definitely uses hard times to prepare us to minister to others. He comforts us so that we may comfort others. The harder, I've went through some hard times in my life and now, uh, now I will sometimes get different pastors and different men call me to talk through when they're going through the same thing. And, and we're able to encourage each other and comfort each other uh, because uh, having went through something, you can then be a help to others. God uses hard times to prepare us to understand his character. In the furnace, we discover God's goodness in a way that we've never discovered it before. When God puts us in the furnace of his of trials and he brings hard times and difficult times in our life, uh, he often does so to help us to realize who he is and what he is capable of. You'll never know what you uh, believe really, what you're made of until the hard times come. And when those hard times come, we can we sometimes use the terminology hot water. Have you ever been in hot water, found yourself in a trial or in trouble, and you find yourself in hot water? Well, when you do that, when the hot water is applied in your life, what is in you will come out uh, because of what the hot water uh, will reveal. Hard times don't necessarily shape you, but hard times certainly reveal what's in you. That's why spiritual growth is so important. This doesn't change any, uh, the elements of this tea bag is not changed, but the hot water applied to it brings out what's already in it. And that's why we need to continue to grow spiritually. Uh, that's why uh, we understand that there is no growth without struggle. And so if we want to grow, it's going to struggle. The trying of your faith worketh patience. Don't you wish patience, patience were an app that you could download? <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, but it's not. It's not an app. It's something that comes through hard times. And then we finish with the promise. Look at verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be established and entire, wanting nothing. Patience requires dogged determination to hold on to our faith even when our world is crumbling. Patience is what says, I will not give up. No matter how bad life is, no matter what may happen to me, the reward for this is genuine spiritual maturity. The reward for this is spiritual growth. If you persevere for the Lord through your trials, you will end up a better person, a more spiritual person, if you uh, respond in the correct way. Again, sometimes you can't determine the trial, but you can always determine your response to it. And when the trials have finished their work in us, the Bible says here, we will not lack anything. Be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I like that. If we need faith, we'll have it. If we need hope, we'll have it. If we need love, we'll have it. What a promise. The, 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 here's the tragedy, though, in our Christian life. We try to short-circuit the process by running away from our problems 
instead of letting God teach us through our problems. There is no growth without struggle. When trials come, and they'll come to us all, there's always something that we can't know, and there's something that we can know. Uh, we can't always know why things happen the way they do. Why did my spouse get sick? Why did my parent die at a young age? Or why did God take my child? My brother lost a child the day the little boy was born. Why did that happen? We don't always know why God does what he does. Sometimes the greater the tragedy, the greater the mystery behind it. God doesn't always explain himself to us. I don't know about you, but I don't get the memo sometimes. Sometimes something hits you in life and, uh, you know, I don't get an explanation. Now, this is why I'm allowing this to happen. This is, And if you persevere through this, this will happen, that will happen. Oh, you'll, you'll really be glad one day that you went through it. No, he doesn't do that. We just have to trust him. Most of the time, we carry those unfilled blanks with us all the way to heaven, not knowing why God did it. That's what we can't know. We can know that God is at work in our trials for our benefit and his glory. Now, that's a blessing. Even though we don't know always what, we can know that. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes we'll see it. Others will have, other times we'll just have to take it by faith. But it is true whether we believe it or not. And so we're left with the simple words of the sixth law. There is no growth without struggle. As long as we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world, we cannot fight against this law and win. You will not grow spiritually into a child of God. You will not uh, become into the image of Jesus Christ with no struggle. It just won't happen. So what do we say to the ones who are suffering right now? Should we pity you? Well, we want to have compassion on each other, but no, not really. We rather should congratulate you that God has counted you worthy of such great trials. According to this passage, this does not mean you go to funerals and clap, you know, give a round of applause. I mean, let's not be crude about it. Uh, but And we don't act crazy. We're, uh, we're so thankful. Yes, I got fired, you know. Uh, but we understand that we can receive with joy what God has given us. We can bless his name despite it. And we can realize that I don't understand, but I don't have to understand. I do know and trust him and that he's at work. Let me leave you tonight with two words. Pray and stay. Don't run. Don't hide. Don't quit. Don't shake your fist at God. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. Uh, don't try to bargain your way out of trouble because guess what? You don't have anything to bargain with anyway that God wants. Just pray and stay. Stay and pray. Pray. Ask God, what are you trying to teach me? And then stay. Be patient. Don't rush God. You can never rush him. But the reward is for those who stay faithful in the trial. The reward is for those who stay, uh, they, they still keep doing the right thing even though times are difficult. Our trials are not meant to defeat us. They are meant to bring us to greater spiritual victory and spiritual growth in our life. They are not intended to make us weaker. They are intended to make us stronger. They're not sent to hurt us. They're sent to help us because there's no growth without struggle. That's the sixth law. Let's, pick, let's apply that to our life and let's recognize if there is struggle that we put the focus not really on deliverance, but more on development.
Because if there is struggle, if there is trouble, there is trial, a great question for the Lord is, what do you have me to learn from this? I want to come out better. By the way, I don't know if you remember how school worked, but there was times, more than I'd like to remember, that uh, I would take a test and fail it. And when I failed a test, this was back before we all got trophies. Uh, when I failed the test, I had to take that test again. And if I failed it again, in fact, that's what happened when I got my license. Once or twice. Fail the test, got to take it again. And if you fail it again, you got to take it again. I just want to pass the test God gives me. Amen? I want to take those trials and I want to be triumphant in them so he doesn't have to keep giving me the same test. I want to pass the flying colors. We do that in how we respond. Recognize there's no growth without struggle. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the truth in this passage in James. It's not really the most.